0: What the hell, Scattered Frog?
1: Ladies and gentlemen, it's time for the Pie Factory Podcast. So, yeah, to answer your question, um, that is um, quack photography. Quack photography, thank you for asking. So, does that clarify it?
0: Uh, yeah, sure. Whatever you say, bub. Okay.
1: Uh, Oh, hi, hi. Uh, Welcome to episode 50
0: of the, Uh, uh, um... uh, 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 49. 48 was last week.
1: Well, this is the 50th episode, but it's episode 49.
0: True.
1: That's a technicality, though. Of, um, Factory Podcast, comma, Pi. And, um, this is, um... Oh Christ! Now I got to think of a silly name for this week. Yeah, um, Christ? No, 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 no! no. I don't want people to get confused by you know we because we, we, we resemble each other quite a lot, at least in all the pictures in the Catholic catechism books and all that. Christ has blonde hair and blue eyes. <laughs> that is true. Which I do, and uh, the thing is, we um, I don't have a beard. I have like stubble right now because I haven't shaved in a while. Beard. But uh, that, I'm going to shave bef- shave tonight. But uh Oh man, I was just going through some uh, for for the past three years. I've had these sound files on my hard drive, just taking up space. And I was from audio cassettes that I digitized, and they're in a folder called "To Be Edited Down." Mm-hmm. And I had a, I had an extended weekend, so I spent a lot of it editing down those files. And some of them were from my radio days. And uh, I'll have to put a link in the show notes because I actually posted a minute segment of it. And it's like, man, how could, could I be any more Midwestern?
0: <laughs> because man, I my my accent has really mellowed over the years. Well, you did have an have an extended tour of New Jersey in there too. I so. I did, I did. So you're so, quite the continental person.
1: Yes, and that as long as that continent is North America. I've been in three different countries in my life, and they were all in North America. Oh,
0: by the way, did we say your name yet? Whose name? Yours.
1: Oh. Did you choose no. one
0: yet?
1: No, we haven't shown... Uh, you know what? My name is male Narrator. I got that off my GarageBand screen right here.
0: I had one chosen for today, but as per usual, I forgot, uh, as I tell people, my mind is like a steel trap. What goes in comes out mangled. So, uh, you yeah, know, I'm just going to go with the old chestnut, Jimmy G. Well, no, no, no I'm just ah. going to go with Jimmy G. I'm going to, and you were saying, I was saying you were continental as long as the, uh, uh, the continent, continent is North, North, North America, America. So that means you are incontinent of North America. That's right. I'm incontinent, ain't I? Yes, you are. And I was going to say it about myself, but.
1: Oh, maybe that'll be my nickname for our next episode. Ooh, incontinent. Incontinent, Sean. The incontinental so because i'm in the continent of but north america but you know america. what we should
0: save that though for a future episode though oh yeah. yeah yeah you know what i'm talking about i i know exactly what you're talking exactly. about exactly
1: so yeah hi hi this is jimmy g hi there so what have you been up to in the past? Well, it's It's been three weeks now because we had to we had to take a uh, sabbatical. Yeah, it, right?
0: uh, yeah, about that As sabbatical, um, I had to go in the Thursday for a procedure, and I had to drink a lot of things the night before that upset my tummy tum-tum. And, uh, Hence the word sabbatical because it was so bad that you couldn't record. It was record. sabbatical. I couldn't record. So, yeah. And um, didn't totally think about that when we made the appointment we, which was good because i was suffering a pretty na- I, I came i don't know if it was allergies it or the what best. it worked out for the best and just now i don't feel congested and, and if i was doing the podcast with a tummy ache and you know i was running to the bathroom all the time and you with congestion and a bad bad voice that wouldn't be fair to our listeners because pie factory means value and that mm-hmm. was just not a valuable episode would not have been a valuable episode but we're bringing no, that no. value today. Yes, we are. And thank you for that gesture, that uh, that extended arms gesture. In, in, I, I saw what you did there. In, uh, I, I actually really did do that. <laughs> yeah. um, but uh, you were saying, what have I been up to? Well, um, I've been not really up to a whole lot that I can remember. I've been uh, just looking for different games to play. And uh, did we get to... We didn't get to retrocade in the last three weeks, did we? I
1: haven't been to retrocade since, uh, ja- since January. I'm going on March 4th though. Okay. And I'm really looking forward to that. Cause I, I'm, I missed the retrocade and I have a, I still have last year's Christmas gift certificate that I still have to use up and a Christmas, a gift certificate I got for Christmas this year. So
0: I got to get my act together. Maybe we didn't go anywhere. At least I didn't. Um, I, I, you know what? I think I've decided that I'm gonna uh, get rid of my Coleco Atom. Really? Uh, yeah. Because first of all, it's uh, it it has that one flaw with all the Coleco visions, where like the memory goes bad and the uh the, the 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 video output is kind of it's got like artifacts and that sort of thing. Uh, the tape drives went bad a long time ago, and because they went bad, and back then and uh, I had no idea how to repair them or anything. I tore them apart to see what they looked like inside and so those are long gone. Last time I fired the thing up, the floppy drive that I have did work. So I get some I'll probably get some value out of that. And um yeah, um yeah. So I'm probably going to probably going to get rid of it. I am going to look for a couple of more colecovision controllers. Uh, I'm seriously considering getting some of the super action controllers to use with my Raspberry Pi. Ooh. Um I've never had those before. Those do look rather snazzy. So, if anybody's used those, let me know. Uh, I kind of curious uh, kind of curious how they uh, how they work out. No, you know what? I did hook up my seventy eight hundred once for a while. Oh, good. And good. Uh, it was, of course, after your episode of the seventy eight hundred homebrew podcast. Ding and, ding! And I had to play Frenzy some more and. You really got to hand it to Bob DiCrescenzo about that. Uh, uh, f- well, pretty much everything he does, especially with that one, though. At, that, that is really a spot on game. I just I oh, just yeah. love it a lot. And the fact that it has Berserk in it is uh, just another nice feature.
1: And then it has the speech synthesis, yes. in it
0: too. That knocked me out. I was
1: like, wait a minute.
0: This isn't a pokey game.
1: And it makes me think, you know, people who trash the Atari 7800 sound, Bob DiCrescenzo's Frenzy Berserk cartridge is proof that you can get some pretty freaking impressive sound out of that thing if you know what you're doing. Ex-
0: that's exactly right. the uh, The TIA chip is is notoriously notoriously bad, but just like anything, if you're talented enough, you can program some good music in it. Uh, I don't think Frogger for the Atari Twenty Six Hundred actually had any uh, extra chips in it, and that had some really good music on it. You're talking the Parker Brothers. The version, Parker of Brothers, course. yes, not the Supercharger, but the Parker Brothers. Right. Uh, let me th- I can't think of another one off the top of my head. I know there were more. But uh, yeah, if you know what you're doing with that, you can make do with it. I mean, asteroids on 7800 had barely any sound, but it, uh, what it what it did, it did well. Um, oh, that's my favorite version of asteroids. Oh, easily, easily my favorite as- version of asteroids, too. And it's your uh, favorite ass, what? Yeah, and Robotron had really good sound with the Tia. But
1: hold it, hold Uh-oh. it,
0: hold on. <laughs> this week in Robotron. Okay. You, you, you almost kind of think that I'm just finding any excuse to talk about that game on purpose now don't you (laughs) well we do have to talk about it later on today as well oh we do
1: yeah yeah Uh, spoiler alert Uh as it were and speaking of Atari 7800 I have I know why I
0: know why okay I know why Uh, why we have to talk about that game yes
1: yes 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 but I have right now there's a I don't remember if I mentioned this on this podcast but I certainly mentioned it on the Atari 7800 homebrew podcast ding Yes everybody there I host the Atari 7800 homebrew podcast no surprises now cuz I there was a listener who was surprised that I did that even though I've talked about it uh, yeah, ever since Yeah I saw it started. he looked
0: like uh, looked like uh, <laughs> he looked like uh uh what's his name from Home Alone with his hands on his cheeks calling uh yeah, Colling something Colling like and, that. yeah that's it Yeah but uh, anyway I got you, see, you had to
1: bring up the 7800 so now it's my turn to share what I've done with uh, 7800 stuff I have the Mateos uh, 16-in-1 rewritable
0: multi-cart. Okay, talk about that. I'm curious about that. I, I'm, I'm curious, interested, whatever. Well, you will have to tune into episode five of the Atari
1: 7800 Homebrew podcast, in which I go into it in a much greater detail than I'm going to go into now. Just to hit the highlights. Yeah, it's basically what it sounds like. Uh, it can handle up to 16 Atari 7800 ROMs, PAL, or NTSC. You have to strip the headers out first before you use it. And um, there's actually a switch on it that you flip. If you have any ROMs to put on it that are more than, I think it's 128K, then you have to flip the switch to 144, which actually turns it into an 8 in one rewritable because the hundred and the one, the ROMs that are greater than 128 K take up two slots, but uh, I've been, I've been using it. It's a wonderful little device. Uh, It comes from Spain. Uh, I was surprised at how fast it got here too. I think I had it within a week when I ordered it. You have to order the cartridge and the burner Mm-hmm. It come, uh, you have to get the burner too, or else it's going to be pretty useless. The only complaint I have about this cartridge is that it's just a
0: raw board. And really? you have to provide any shell yourself so far. Well, uh, the you, burn, you, you, what's you interesting have, is that. You have like seven or eight versions of combat, right? I mean, everybody does.
1: Well, yeah. Yeah. And I actually sacrificed my Street Racer cart from uh, 1982. And I don't like what I did to it. Uh, it, was a, it was a street racer cart I was going to be sending to Atari age anyway, mm-hmm. so that's all I have to say about that. What, what's interesting is that they don't, at least not right now, they don't have a shell for the Mateos multi-cart, but they do have a plastic shell for the burner that you can order separately. That It's uh, 3D printed, and I hope they come out with a uh, Mateos rewritable shell. This is a at least a great holdover for whenever the Concerto cartridge comes out nice but, uh, but basically it's it's a usb mountable thing you plug it you plug a
0: usb cable it sounds in the like burner. it's more for development than it is is actually it for playing because is. of the fact that you have to have a burner and it doesn't use like uh, um, you know sd cards or that sort of thing yeah i mean i mean the thing I, is
1: like when when you use the burner it just mounts as if it were another drive so it essentially is kind of a basically a usb
0: drive really so you will be going into more detail in the next episode of the 7800 Homebrew Podcast. What uh, Which what should will be, be out right now. So, what game are you talking about again on the next episode? Dungeon Stalker. Dungeon Stalker. So, tune in. It's basically kind of a
1: supercharged version of the Intellivision Night Stalker. Aha. huh. Uh-huh. So, there you go. Thank you for asking. And... Some other stuff that I've been doing, uh, game wise. uh, Speaking of ordering from Spain and all this, another order overseas thing that I have here, Cinemaware released a extended collector's edition of Defender of the Crown, Mm -hmm. which was a massive hit on the Amiga. And I never had it as an Amiga user, so I figured, you know what? Now's a good, a good ex- excuse to try it out. So I ordered the extended collector's edition. Now, what it is? It contains the PC version, the original Amiga version, an extended version of the Amiga version, the Amiga CD TV version, which I think is actually Defender of the Crown two, mm-hmm. and um, the. Amiga CD32 version of Def- Defender of the Crown and, and the Commodore 64 version as well. Did you say Atari happens, ST? I did not, and I don't believe that's part of the collection. Okay. But what you do is you uh you install the stuff off the CD-ROM, you pick your whatever operating system you're using whether it's PC or Mac, it does the proper install and you run the game. And you're given a menu of which version of all those that I just talked about that you want to play. And it basically runs it in an emulator. Mm -hmm. And it works really, really well. I'm really happy with the product. There is just one thing that I do have to warn people about in case they're considering ordering anything from CinemaWare. Um, Don't expect to get your order in a reasonable time. I placed the order on December 5th. I just got Defender of the Crown on saturday oh wow this past saturday and that was only after I, s- I sent several nagging emails and i kept getting the usual oh i'm sorry i had the flu i wasn't in the shop and so and a lot of people were having those issues so just be prepared if you're gonna order anything
0: it sounds like they're not a really huge um outfit i don't know i don't know what their
1: deal is But they have a lot of other titles. Like, I think they have a Wings um, collector's edition. Uh, They also put out the Three Stooges game. But the thing is, they don't have a special edition of that. And I can imagine that the uh, licensing would be a nightmare for that.
0: Uh, Yeah, I would probably That's one
1: I would really love to have, though. Because I loved that game on the 64 and the Amiga. It looks like they
0: only have... A Defender of the Crown extended collector's edition for forty-four ninety-five, but they also have Defender of the Crown ZX or sorry ZX Spectrum limited edition for twenty-two ninety-five. Rocket Ranger Extended Collector's Edition forty four ninety five and Wings Remastered Amiga Edition fifty four ninety five, and they got a couple of T shirts for one for Wings and one for It Came from the Desert, which I want to play. It Came from the Desert. I never, yeah, I've never too. played that one. It sounded interesting, like the B like horror film things. Uh, I did play Defender of the Crown on the Atari ST, and um, there's a, a kind of a very suggestive uh, uh, graphic in that uh, particular game. Uh, Let me see here. Defender of the Crown Extended Collector's Edition. uh, Extended Collector's Cut for PC, Mac, Amiga, CD32, Amiga, CD-ROM. Limited to 500 editions. Low stock alert, it says here. Oh, and actually, this does say it has the Atari ST version. Ah, okay. Here it says the classic Amiga version with new intro running on Amiga CD32 with CD-ROM PC and Mac uh, built in emulation. It's the classic Amiga version running on the Amiga CD32 Amiga with CD ROM. A PC Mac, wait, what? Oh, okay. Classic Amiga version with new intro. The classic Amiga version, Defender of the Crown Two running on Amiga CD32 CD ROM. That's what it blah, was. Blah, blah, okay. Blah. Uh, Defender of the Crown C64 ROM for your own emulator and disk files to create disks, and then. They have a disc that has the NES, the Apple IIgs, Amstrad CPC, Atari ST, CDI ROM, huh. uh, MS-DOS for your own emulator or ISO to burn. Yeah, I mean, and despite the shadiness,
1: or at least the shady vibe of the whole operation, I eventually did get the thing. And the packaging is fantastic. I do have to say that.
0: It looks excellent
1: from what yeah, I've seen I'm, here. I'm on I'm the. I'm very uh, happy with the actual product. Oh, by the way, speaking of, you talked about uh, it came from the desert and B movies. Uh, Speaking of which, we've been talking about this for a long time. I know what you're getting. I finally, finally went to Chicago Street Pinball Arcade in Joliet, Illinois. Oh, that's not what I was thinking about. Oh, okay. But still. Still. The reason that I linked that to your whole B movie thing was one of the pinball machines they have there that I never played before. And I tried Creature from the Black Lagoon. Have you ever played that one? No,
0: I have seen it. I have seen it. You can't miss it. It's
1: a really cool. pin. I I keep saying I'm not really a pinball fan, but man, the more I talk about it, the more I want to play it, you know, but uh, it's a really cool pinball machine. It's not really themed specifically on that one movie. It's themed
0: more on the experience of going to see that movie in Mm -hmm. the drive in. And you know what? You say that that's uh, that's interesting because uh, several years back was uh, in in the theaters. Um, uh, what was it? Grindhouse, which was uh, two movies. One by Robert Rodriguez, one by uh, uh, Quentin Tarantino. Tarantino did a movie called Death Proof, which is about uh, I think it was Kurt Russell, uh, stunt man drives a car, kills people with his car. And Robert Rodriguez was Planet Terror. Yeah, you know, it's a you know zombie fair. And uh, and then they had like fake movie trailers and commercials and stuff in it. And, you know, people would criticize, I, I'd say heard some criticisms of the movie because, you know, oh, the movies aren't good or whatever. And that is, the whole thing with that, it was, as you're saying there, it's about more about the movie going experience. Yeah. And uh, sometimes you just gotta, you know, just take it in because, I mean, uh, you know, that's uh, just like the arcades of our youth. The, uh, the golden age of the movie theater is long gone. And uh, I mean, not saying that people don't go to movie theaters and that they're not popular. Of course, but the golden yeah. age when there was I, I hate to say this because I know and it'll offend some people that are in the industry. But it seems like a lot of people are just have no concept of craft, I guess. And that's uh, apparently not fair to say, but it, it, let's put it that way. It seems that way to me. You know, that's my perception. And as my broadcasting professor, professor said your perception is your reality. That's very true. Yes. So um, it's good to be reminded of the experience, you know, and uh, I, I'm glad to hear that that, uh, that pinball game is more so about the experience than it is the actual movies. Yeah, because I, I don't remember exactly what the uh,
1: little features are, but uh, there there are certain places where the pinball lands, where it's like uh, you, know, you get to first base or something like that. Yes. <laughs> and I I... I turned around and I had mentioned this in a previous episode that I remember playing a lot of police force when I was in college, they have police force over there. Okay. So I spent most of my time playing police force. Uh, It's uh, Chicago street pinball. It's a very small place right now. It's, it's basically you walk in and it's a row of games to the right, to the right, a row of games to the left mostly pinball uh they're all on free play except uh he has a few pinball machines in there that are on loan and since they're not his he has to charge like a dollar or something per play on them i know the wizard of oz was one of them i don't remember the other ones okay it's it's a small selection right now uh he has a couple of video games in there there's a joust machine there's a, a multi-cade in there it's a 99 in one multicade, but it's set up so that it can it can only play pac-man games mm-hmm. so uh that that was it there was something interesting about that that i wanted to talk about and i don't remember there's a centipede millipede missile command three and one in there that i wasn't a big fan of um, but it's a very small place and i'm pretty sure i was the only customer uh, I couldn't stay very long. I I, I was uh, there to meet a friend for dinner, and I didn't realize it, but on Saturdays, it doesn't open until 5. Oh, wow. I got in there at like 4.30. On Saturday? So I, I think those are new hours or something. Yeah.
0: Huh. But then again, it's in downtown Joliet. It's not in the real... That area is not real that busy on Saturday.
1: Yeah, except to see a show at the Rialto a few years ago. I have not been downtown Joliet in years, and for the first time ever, when I was in downtown Joliet, I was not afraid of being shot. You know why? Why? Because there's nobody there to freaking shoot you. <laughs> it is so that is dead true. down there. That is true. And the thing is, like, rant coming up here, and I, I don't mean any disrespect whatsoever. I, I don't know the guy's name. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, everybody. But he's a really... Not, the, the owner is a really super nice guy. Really is. But, man... <sighs> There's no way he's going to get a good crowd in there. The only thing around there uh, next door to it is a bar and grill that does look like it's pretty busy, but that's it. You're only going to get bar and grill traffic down there. And they do have a deal, I think, where if you uh, pay, you get a free beer with your uh, Chicago Street pinball arcade admission. Mm -hmm. I didn't take advantage of that because I just plain didn't have time. But yeah, it's like there's nothing around there. There's no foot traffic or anything. The guy doesn't advertise at all. It's all word of mouth. Really? Yeah. Huh. Like people have told him, "Look, go west. You get more traffic."
0: He's like, "Well, I don't want to pay higher rent." Oh, come on, man. And and uh, the thing is, with a pinball arcade like that, there's there's many places he could move out of the Juliet area. He could increase foot traffic. He could even probably just he's only a few blocks from uh from uh the the big casino there. He could probably move right like right into that area. Or hell, maybe see if maybe uh the casino has some you know space to rent for such a thing. I don't think that they would have a well, I don't know, but I mean yeah, the, but the never... point is the point is <laughs> there are different places that uh, that you could you have much better foot traffic than yeah, downtown Joliet.
1: Yeah, I seriously doubt Harris would would be a good deal for no, them. a big I'm thinking about like, huge that. No. corporation.
0: Maybe if uh, maybe if it was uh maybe if it was one of those type of casinos that uh you know allowed kids in it, that might be a different story.
1: Yeah, and and the thing is let's be truthful here, the casinos in Joliet people don't like them. Yeah, well, that's true, they suck. And also, before I went, I uh, reached out to my friend Steve, who's, who's who's been a lifelong Shorewood resident. He's a big pinball fan. I said, "Hey, you want to meet up at Chicago Street Pinball?" He said, like, "No, I can't. Uh, the wife and I have plans and all this." He said, "When you're there, though, ask him to show you the expansion." I was like, "What, really?" So I did. I I said, "Hey, my friend Steve told me you have an expansion going." He like, "Oh yeah, let me show you." And this really kind of got me alarmed because he take he takes me over to this huge honking space. Like, it's a freaking auditorium, practically. I mean, it's bigger than Galloping Ghost. This big, wide-open space. He's like, yeah, here's where I'm going to put these games over there, over there. And I'm going to put a couple of pool tables over here. And, of course, the whole time he's talking to me, I'm thinking, okay, but where are you going to get people from? Where are they going to come from? Mm-hmm. I mean, having, having said all that though, folks, if you're any, anywhere near uh, uh, Joliet, Illinois in Will County, uh, just probably about 45 minute drive from Chicago, please go there. It is, it is I, I really recommend, uh, patronizing Chicago street pinball arcade. It's a small place right now. The owner's a really friendly guy. It's uh, 15 bucks for all day, I believe. And, uh, he didn't charge me for the bottle of Coke, so I don't know if uh, he co- if Coke's on the house or what. But definitely patronize him, give him some support, please. Excellent. Oh, and one other thing. So we might as well talk about pies since it's a Pie Factory podcast. Mm-hmm. I had a personal size stuffed pizza from Giordano's tonight, aka a pie. Oh, love Giordano's. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's stuffed pizza, which is the other kind of Chicago style I pizza. Love there's deep dish pizza. and there's stuffed. But the thing is, though, you go to their website, it now says stuffed deep dish. So I don't know if I don't know, but. There is one place that I would have had a pie, but I didn't really want to. There's a new I have to I have to mention this. There is a new restaurant that just opened up in our neighborhood. Actually, I think they used to be in Wicker Park and they moved here. And my wife's been wanting to go there since they opened. So we went there on Saturday. It's called the Growling Rabbit. And the only reason I'm mentioning this is because we walk in and I look to the left and there's Tom Skilling having lunch. Oh jeez. And I was like, oh my God. I said, honey, look over there, look over there. She's like, what, what? Tom Skilling is practically a god in the Chicago
0: area. He's also the brother to the guy who was indicted in uh, the Enron scandal.
1: Yeah, yeah, despite uh, despite the Enron scandal, everybody says that Tom Skilling is the nicest guy you'll ever meet in your life.
0: Tom was not involved in the Enron scandal. His brother was. He's just He's just the brother. He is a meteorologist.
1: He is a legendary meteorologist in Chicago. I remember for the the advertisements for WGN News, they used to say, uh, he's so accurate, people think he creates the weather. <laughs> and he's the biggest freaking weather nerd in the universe. Oh, no kidding. Oh, my goodness. Like He will die a happy man if he gets killed in a
0: tornado. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah that, that would not surprise me. That would definitely not but surprise I, me. I just had to throw that out there.
1: That I saw Tom's And the thing is, like, my wife and I had only learned a few like a few days before that that he has lived in our neighborhood since 1978. Really? We didn't we didn't know that we've we've never seen him around. This is the first time we've ever seen him out and about. So speaking of things that have absolutely nothing to do with our podcast, um, do you have any addenda and errata?
0: Well, yes, actually I do, but it's not about, Ooh. but it's not about uh, any of the games. It's actually calling my memory into question. <laughs> um, fan of the show, listener, maybe. I don't know if he's a fan, but he listens. Uh guy's name is Mike Bowler. He, uh, he lives not too far away from oh, here. Yeah. And uh, he, uh, I don't know if he's still running the podcast. He did, he does or did a podcast, a really good one called uh, Skeptic's Guide to Conspiracy. And uh, in each episode, he would go through and talk about a different conspiracy theory and why, you know, basically it's all, uh, all BS. Seriously. He did a three part episode about the September 11th attacks. Listen to them. They are fantastic. He breaks everything down and just delves into the science and everything and tells you about how, uh, how it was really impossible. The first episode in the three-part series, it was just about the timeline of events. Nothing more. No science. No nothing. Just the timeline of the events and how everything uh, played out according to the media and you know what you saw on TV or what you saw if you were actually there. And that episode alone was really worth listening to. But anyway, mm. uh, he grew up in the area and he ran a B. Did he run the BBS or was he just on it? Uh, I think he ran it. Yeah, that was, it was a radio-free Illinois. Yes, radio-free Illinois. And I can't remember if I was ever on that or not. I might have been. I don't know. But uh, he says, um, I'm listening to the latest Pie Factory. Thank you for listening. And you got me thinking about the Louis Juliet Aladdin's Castle. And as I remember, the pinball machines were along the left wall. My guess is the new and popular machines were put in the center. Yep, video games along the right wall, except for my iPhone. And I got to thinking about that. And he's partially right on that. The pinball machines were indeed along the left wall, but toward the back of the arcade. Uh, I do remember Smash TV there as uh, along kind of in the back too. What happens is there's like, a, with the exception of a cutout at the left back of the arcade for the office, the entire arcade was a uh, rectangle. And the pinball machines were right along the wall by the office. But the the door for the office was offset a little bit for enough room for another machine. And that's where Smash TV was. So you had like four pinball machines there. You had, I don't remember all what they had. Uh, I know they had Twilight Zone, which is my all-time favorite pinball machine, Terminator 2 Judgment Day, and Star Trek Next Generation, which are two of my top ten favorite art pinball machines. But I do remember that they had Sega's uh, Holiseum Games, what were they? Time Traveler, I think, was one of them. And then the other one was actually just called Holiseum, Uh, Right next to there as well. And I do remember... Was it Speed Buggy or Buggy Boy? I can't remember what the American name for that game was uh, along there. And uh, Bagman was along that wall as well. Uh, so there were a few games along that wall that I played. But I just generally did not gravitate toward that part of the arcade unless I was playing pinball or Smash TV. So... Thank you, Mike, for calling my memory into question. <laughs> no, seriously, thank you for listening, Mike. Uh, I'm, I'm uh, glad and kind of uh, humbled that uh, that you're listening. Um, thanks, Mike. Yes, thanks, Mike. Uh, I believe I had him on my previous political podcast a while back, several years ago. Ah. And uh, real nice guy. I actually met him uh, for pizza. There's a great place in Minooka called Toofers. Uh, which is really good. Oh God, they have it. sounded so weird, but it's so good. They have bacon ranch pizza. Oh, I was to die for. But anyway, anyway, anyway. So there we go. Oh yeah, that, a, There's more, another more pie. More, more pie. more pie. So thank you, Mike.
1: Yeah, I have uh, something for Addenda and Errata. Uh, I was, I think it was episode thirty-three, the frenzy and uh, scramble episode. When we were talking, this is this is going back to Police Force again. When I was talking about, I think it was that episode, I was talking about how I couldn't seem to find any Police Force machines anywhere. And, of course, now we know where there is one. There is one in Joliet. But um, you had mentioned that the Atari Lynx had, what was it called? It was called Pinball Jam. And you pinball said jam. you thought perhaps it was one of the, uh, that Police Force was one of the pinball
0: games. Yeah, one of them was an Elvira machine, yeah. and I thought the other one was a, uh- a police force or something like that. Yeah. It is police force. It is. Okay. I
1: have confirmation on that. It is. So now I gotta get a Lynx emulator and the ROM for pinball jam. So I can play police force whenever I can't get to a place that has
0: the actual pinball. That was one machine. of my favorite uh titles when I had a Lynx was that particular game. The only real problem is it was with the with the way that things scrolled, it was kinda hard to follow the ball uh sometime. But uh uh, I got the hang of it and I uh, got pretty good at it. So that was that was uh, that was definitely one of my favorite Atari Lynx um Spatulas. uh specialist.
1: cartridges. So uh yeah I have actually been playing like Pinball Dreams and Pinball Fantasies a lot like on my
0: uh my iPhone and on my Mac. Uh, and again, man, I'm putting the call out games. there for people to help us figure out what the how the hell to set up uh Pinmame or visual pinball, the uh, the the pinball emulators, because I want to get that going. So I want to play some pinball, but I can just not figure that out. Well, have you done? Have you
1: taken the advice that Village Cycle Center has given me when I take my bike in for some minor repairs? YouTube, YouTube is your friend.
0: No, I haven't because I've been lazy.
1: Ah, okay. So you just want everybody else to do your work for you? Yeah, pretty much. Okay, okay, I can I can dig that. Uh, I don't have any other f- any other uh, addenda. I don't have any other errata, I don't think, at least. How about you? Uh, no. All right then. Uh, hey, you know what? Why don't we talk
0: about a game or two
1: games, perhaps?
0: Perhaps we perhaps might talk about three. Highly unlikely. Oh really? You never know. Well, it, it we're could not happen, going no. to spoil it. Could it. happen. Could happen. It's uh, anything okay. can happen
1: day. But what, what was Wednesday? Anything can happen day. I don't remember. You know what? Let me check.
0: I'm so glad Hyde found the Commodore 64 music. Oh yeah. Although I do kind of, I do like the uh, the Adam music a little bit more. Well, yeah, I can understand because again, you have the I never, project. I never owned a Commodore 64, and I've been really curious about getting one.
1: Um, You know what? We are recording on a Wednesday, and I have confirmation. Anything Can Happen Day was Wednesday. So there we go. You were absolutely right, Cabinet Sanchez. So uh, I know that technically I'm supposed to be in charge this time, but I'm going to let you choose the game that we start with. What game would you like to start
0: with? With what game would you like to start? We have to be grammatical. You know what? Let's just do Spy Hunter since that's the game that was delegated to me. Yay, Spy Hunter. Yay, Spy Hunter. Uh, yay. Uh, Spy Hunter.
1: You know what? We should do both things just to satisfy the people who like the older way. Oh,
0: uh, yay, Spy Hunter. I ah, do Spy have Hunter. I do have an addenda and a rata for Super Podcast Brothers. Atari Uh-oh. was the first home video game company to include comic books with video games and I'm not talking Sword Quest. So, there we are. <clears throat> okay, that's out of the way. Oh, okay. So, uh, yes, Spy Hunter. Yay, Spy Hunter. 1983, Bally Midway. Uh, just gonna throw this out there, uh, right off the bat. Our friend, uh, Brian Colin uh, had his crummy little fingers in the graphics. You can actually tell. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. I thought it was Spy Hunter 2. I don't think he did all the graphics for Spy Hunter. He did some of them. But he pretty much did most of the graphics for Spy Hunter 2. You can gotcha, tell. Gotcha, okay. You can tell in Spy Hunter 2, but he did work on Spy Hunter. So, anyway, uh, 1983 Bally Midway. The the object of the game is you have a vehicle, the G6155 CIA prototype interceptor sports car. And basically, uh, you're killing the bad guys uh, by driving a road, a long straight road that branches off every now and then. So, uh, you're driving and you're shooting things. Uh, You got several enemies in the game. You have an enemy called the Switchblade. It's a a smaller uh, dark blue car that uh, when you first see them, you can just shoot them and be done with it. Uh, later on, they sprout, not too much later on either, by the way, will sprout blades out of the sides of their car, which will uh, like tear up your tires and send you spinning off the side of the road. The next one, eh, I guess it's a slightly lighter shade of blue, but not much, uh, called the Road Lord or the Bulletproof Bully. Uh, it's a very, very highly armored vehicle, which you cannot shoot. And, uh, yeah, he must be uh, bumped off the road. Then you have one called the Enforcer, which is a big, dark blue limousine. It looks like the uh, the Switchblade, except uh, like three times as long. And uh, they'll drive on the road, but every now and then they will park off the side of the road and shoot at you from the side. Uh, Then you also have a helicopter, a helicopter called the Mad Bomber, or the Master of the Sky. He's a helicopter. He can only be destroyed with missiles. We'll talk about your weapons in just a moment. And then eventually your car, the G6155 prototype interceptor sports car, uh, at some point will find a boathouse. And if you drive into the boathouse, your car turns into a boat and you have two different enemies that you have to deal with in the water. One is called the barrel dumper. He he basically drops barrels of TNT into the water if you run into the barrels you die again i believe you can bump the uh the boats uh, uh off of the uh off of the river into the shore and then you have dr torpedo i love that name maybe that should be your name for this episode dr torpedo well it's too late now Yeah, that's true maybe for next episode we'll see uh but he's a boat that fires rubber bands at you no he fires torpedoes at you duh and uh yeah, there are different ways that your vehicle can be destroyed. We've mentioned a few of them. Uh, if you run off the road, you'll get destroyed. If you your boat runs ashore, it will you could get destroyed. If you're hit hard in a collision, you'll get destroyed. Collide with the side of the switchblade, you'll spin, go off the road, you'll be destroyed. If you get hit by a missile from the helicopter or a crater in the road that the helicopter creates by shooting missiles, you'll get destroyed and by the explosive barrels or the torpedo. There are uh, vehicles on the road that you do not destroy. There are different innocent vehicles, like cars and motorcycles. And uh, you can bump the motorcycles, or I'm sorry, bump the cars off the road. You can accidentally shoot them. Uh, Motorcycles, if you bump into them, you'll instantly kill them. I mean, you can bump the cars out of your way. There is one other vehicle. There is a weapons van. And a weapons van will go in front of you, and uh, it'll drop some ramps from the back, and you would just you'll speed up into the semi, into the weapons van, whatever you want to call it, and you'll get some additional weapons, which we'll talk about in a, just a moment. When you go into the weapons van, there are different weapons that you can get. The first weapon that you have by default all the time is the machine gun, most common weapon. You can also get an oil slick, which drops a slick of oil. Behind your vehicle, Uh, enemies hit that they will spin off the road and uh, crash. Smoke screen. Oh, and the oil slick is is thin. It's about the width of your car, but you can move back and forth while you're activating the oil slick, and uh, it'll cover. You can cover like a path along the road. You'll you'll uh, you'll catch enemies behind you. Uh, Smoke screen. I I believe you only get three smoke screens. I believe only three oil slicks. Uh, I don't did not look that up actually, but smoke, smoke screen, similar effect with the, uh, with the, uh, difference being that, uh, it looks like smoke and it covers basically, the, it, it spews out of the back of your, uh, vehicle in like a triangle shape and, uh, it'll, it covers a wider area behind you. I actually like, uh, smoke screen better than the oil slick personally. And then the final uh, additional weapon you could get is the missiles. The only thing the missiles are good against is the helicopter. And here's, here's how you control those. First of all, you have like a, a steering wheel looks like a flight yoke and uh, there are a bunch of buttons on there. You've got uh, two triggers or two thumb buttons. I can't remember which one activates which weapon. Each one activates a different weapon. Uh, in the middle of the steering wheel, you have a red glowing button. Well, a red, well, it's like a rectangular button. Kind of reminds me of the door buttons and mousetrap in a way, I guess. Uh, it's for the weapons van. If it glows red, it means the weapons van is ready. You hit the button and the weapons van will show up, and you can then, with the accelerator pedal on the game machine, uh, you'll speed up and go into the weapons van and get your weapons. Actually, there's no brake pedal on this game, by the way, which I kind of think the feel this game could use, but that's just me. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, oh, yeah, you also have a, um, a gear shift for high gear and low gear. In other words, fast and super fast. So, there's that. Uh, hold on. PyFactory bingo. So you got that going for you. The One thing with uh, with this game, it's uh, I'm going to say right off the bat, is this game is, to me, because I suck at it, it's pretty dang difficult because of how fast the road goes by. However, at the very beginning of the game, you have an initial, I don't know, safe time, I guess you could call it. Uh, I don't remember exactly how long it is. I think it's a counter of starts at like 999 and goes all the way down. Uh, during this stretch of the game, you have unlimited lives and you keep accumulating points. And we'll go over the scoring in a, in just a moment. Uh, if you destroy an innocent vehicle in this free unlimited lives section, you will score no points for a short period of time during the that free stretch during the safe stretch. Now, I have never seen this because I suck at this game, but if you score over 18,000 points in this uh, free stretch, you will get two free lives when the free time is over. You, I already mentioned that the the game eventually, uh, at some point, you will see a, a boathouse. You can go into it, and your vehicle turns into a boat, and you you do the rivers and all that. Uh, if you go even further in the game, your boat will turn back into a car, and so uh, eventually the road at some point will become icy. And then, of course, that makes it harder to control your, uh, your spy car. So you got to watch out for that. Wait, watch out for what? Watch out for snakes. Uh, the Road Lord uh, gets you 150 points. The Switchblade gets you 150. The Enforcer, 500. The Mad Bomber gets you 700. The Barrel Dumper gets you 150. Dr. Torpedo gets you 500 points. Driving on the road for each quarter screen traveled gets you 15 points. So you're always accumulating points. Navigating the water for each quarter screen gets you 25 points. And you get 1,500 points for driving through the river boathouse. So there's that. And uh, machine is default to give you a free life at 30,000 points. Some cheats and tricks. Should I do that? Should we do the ports? You know, let's do ports and sequels first.
1: And then we'll go to the cheat tricks. Cheat. Oh, good. I'm in the mood for a good wine.
0: Ah, I see what you did there. See what I did when I there. think of port, I think of cheat. But, uh, there were only a couple of ports uh for the classic game consoles. There was the Atari twenty six hundred port, which was interesting because the game used both joysticks, really yes, it did In fact, there was a thread on this on Atari age in the twenty six hundred forum recently. The game was packaged with a tray that you would sit both joysticks in uh it was like a plastic tray, and there was a hole in it that you would thread the uh the cords to before it plugged into the console. Uh, the left joystick was set up normally with the button at the upper left, and then the the second joystick, when you sit it in the tray, was rotated 90 degrees to the left. I believe, yeah, 90 degrees to the left, so that the joystick button is at the lower left. Atari bytes, take note. So the left button would you would be your machine guns, and then you use the other button to select your uh, select you know the special weapons which was interesting. This game was also on the ColecoVision. The one odd thing about the ColecoVision version of this game is it did not use the steering wheel controller for some reason. Just used the you know, regular I gotta controller. I got to
1: commend you for correctly saying ColecoVision version. That is so hard to do. It is.
0: And I, I screw that up all the time. ColecoVision. ColecoVision version. Uh, you know what? I think the ColecoVision version uses just the regular controller, or I think it is... Uh, I can see that. Or I think it is uh, modified for the Super Action controller as well. Uh, I want to think I've seen that. I, I really don't know. And then there's this was ported to the Nintendo Entertainment System, and I was actually pretty good at the Nintendo Entertainment System, but just the way that they had the controllers uh, set up, the controls set up differently. They didn't have the accelerator and the high low gear shift. Just curious, how was the NES set up for this game? Well, left and right on the pad obviously moved you left and right. Um, sure. Because the... I love how they did Crazy Climber. Yeah, uh, left and right moved left and right. Uh, up. Up and down kind of worked like an accelerator. The more you pushed up, the faster it would go. The more you pushed down, the slower it would go. So that's how that worked. I want to think the B button was your special weapon. A was your machine guns. B was your special weapon. And I believe Select called the weapons van. I used to own this game, and I want to think that's... This is going off the top of my head. I want to think that's how it was set up. And I really liked the NES version. I, I thought that was really... I was, I'm was. i a lot better at the NES version than I was at the uh, arcade version. Um, oh, shall we get into computer ports? Why? Yes, let's. Sure. Uh, it was on the Atari 8-bit computers, the, the Commodore 64, the BBC Micro, PC, Apple II, which I've never seen the Apple II version. I want to see that and the Sinclair ZX Spectrum. Uh, There have been some sequels and reboots. First of all, there was an arcade sequel, Spy Hunter 2. That game never really took off. It was nowhere near as popular as the original Spy Hunter. It was two people at the same time, side by side, viewing from behind your vehicle. You know what? That that game didn't really grab many people. I, I played it a few times. I didn't care for it. Super Spy Hunter on the NES, uh, actually, that was a, a direct sequel to the NES version of Spy Hunter, but it had absolutely nothing to do with Spy Hunter 2 in the arcade. It was the same kind of thing where, uh, I, did, I didn't mention it's so you're, you're viewing your sports car and all the action top down, you know, from from above it, like most games are. Super Spy Hunter is the same, except the road like curves. In Spy Hunter, uh, the road is pretty much straight, uh, although sometimes the road split and then depending on which side of the split you took will you know will widen back out and that's pretty much the road in spy hunter but in spy hunter 2 it would curve all around and there were actually boss battles in spy hunter 2 uh I tried playing it I I could see what they were doing with it and it's not terrible but I just preferred the original spy hunter on the NES to that one. There was a PS2 version of Spy Hunter Don't know much about that one. Uh, There was a couple of other versions. There was Spy Hunter on the 3DS, uh, PlayStation Vita. Normally, we don't talk about them on modern consoles because a lot of this stuff is like in in like you know multi game packages. And Spy Hunter's it's basically just emulation. uh, Yeah, Spy Hunter's no uh, stranger to that. It's in many emulated packages for for more modern consoles. But uh, Spy Hunter 3DS Vita was a reboot, and then there was a game called Spy Hunter: Nowhere to Run. That was released in 2006 on the Xbox and the PlayStation 2. So, with all of that, let's talk about some of the cheats and tricks. Ooh, do tell. There's a bridge out level? I did not know this. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. What happened? Okay. About 99% of what you're saying, I didn't know. Okay, and you know what? Spoiler alert, I don't have a world record in this game. Yeah, neither do me. I... When I play these games at home, I turn the cheats on, as I've said before, just to see what stuff in the game that I've never seen before. Uh, Some of this I actually have seen playing the NES version of Spy Hunter. No cheats because, well, you didn't have cheats unless you had a game genie. But uh, I I have seen some of this on the NES version, and then I've seen it in, uh, I I got it set up in MAME. Okay, I got to say here, if you're playing a game in MAME and it's got an analog control, like a dial, a... uh, A dial, a steering wheel, even an acceleration pedal is is an analog control. You're going to have a hell of a time getting these things set up to your liking. However, I did manage to get Spy Hunter set up to my liking, so I was able to actually play it. Uh, Actually, I think it worked a lot better with the way I had it set up versus the arcade. But anyway, uh, for this trick, what you got to do is you have to have a supply truck available. Oh, by the way, you can destroy your weapons van, and if you get wrecked, your vehicle will. stay like an erect heap on the screen and the weapons van brings your replacement car out into the uh, out into the play area and if your destroyed car is in the way the weapons van will knock it off of the road which i thought that was kind of cool anyway for this you have to trick you have to have a supply trick available and be at a bridge out level i believe the the bridge out forces you into the the boathouse Okay, when the detour appears, don't take it. Instead, call your truck. Wait till the road has straightened out into the bridge and drive into the truck. When the truck pulls over and lets you out, uh, stay on the side of the road and slowly drive up until you reach the gap in the bridge. Drive on until your car is about halfway over the edge. Wait until the enforcer comes along. He will try and get you, but he'll be unable to drive far enough to do so. At this point, have someone watch the game. So, you can go take a break for a while. When you return, you just drive across the bridge, flying mysteriously across the bridge out until you reach the other side. You'll notice several differences to the game after this happens. The enforcer no longer appears, the game gets no harder, and Dr. Torpedo no longer appears on the water sections. Sounds like a lot of uh, to do to make certain things not appear. Apparently, you can destroy the switch blades without using the missiles. They close in on you from the rear, slow down a hair, and align your car so that your front bumpers. Oh wait 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 wait! No no no! Switchblade is the uh, is the the small car. I was thinking of the uh, the helicopter. Yeah, switchblade. You can destroy those without uh, use of your weapons. As you they close in on you from the rear, slow down a bit and align your car so that just your front bumper is barely in line with their their front bumper is barely in line with your rear bumper. They quickly slam the wheel to bump them off the road. As long as you bump them before the front tire area, you know, like in the what do they call it? The fender area. The blades will not harm you. When the weapon van comes out you can this is a, this is a, the exploding van trick. Uh, when the weapon van comes, start to drive into it, but shoot a single bullet just before you enter it. If you time it right, your car will still enter the yet unharmed van. It'll give you the weapon and let you out and it will explode. This one is interesting. Uh, I did not know this one until I was doing some research and I have to try this and I don't know if this is a uh, an Easter egg or if it's a glitch, but I have got to try this. Okay. Uh, you can jump the boat, actually, in a homage, homage, whatever your choice, Homage. homage to a famous scene in the movie Live and Let Die. It's possible to jump the spy boat completely over an island when you're on the water. An island will appear shortly after you miss an opportunity to exit the river. There are different places you can exit the river. You don't have to exit it you know, right away. You can be on the river for basically oh, quite some time. Uh, all right. To make the jump, you must be at or near the vehicle's top speed and simply drive right at the island. If you're closely followed at the time, your pursuers won't make the jump. That almost sounds like that's an actual a uh, purposeful Easter egg. Yeah, it sounds like it would be. Yeah, if that's the case, you know what? Maybe I wonder if Brian Cohen would, uh, could shed some light onto that. So, Brian, if you're listening... Uh, kind of curious about that one so there is one bit of trivia that i forgot to include in my notes but i remember uh a little yeah, bit i about noticed
1: it. that you didn't include it in your notes yes and so did the rest of the rest of the listening audience
0: yes yes they all did but apparently uh i guess it was 2004 2005 uh there was talks to do a spy hunter movie and Ooh. dwayne the rock johnson was it Dwayne Johnson was uh, scheduled to be in it, which is interesting because because Dwayne The Rock Johnson is scheduled to be in Rampage, which is yeah. another movie based on a, a arcade video game that has connection to Brian Cullen. So, but yeah, but uh, that the movie's apparently on hold. Uh, Dwayne Johnson uh, pulled himself out of the, uh, having anything to do with the film a long time ago, several years ago. Uh, it doesn't look like the movie's ever going to get made. So that was so the... Inter- you're talking the Spy Hunter The movie, Spy Hunter right? movie. Rampage is definitely oh, okay. going on. In fact, they're supposed to be filming soon, if I'm not mistaken. Oh. Yeah, I think it's supposed to come out next summer. Okay, I, I, I got to say here about the, everything we've heard about the Rampage movie... I'm not looking forward to it. It it sounds like they're just tr- <laughs> rampage, the arcade game, rampage world tour. They were fun games. Yeah, they were about you know destroying cities and that. But they 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 were fun. They were lighthearted. They want to go serious with the rampage movie. No, oh, you're kidding me. No, that's that's what I've read. I hope they oh. totally drop that because that is stupid. The thing is, I know Brian Cohen's been pretty excited about it. Yeah, uh, do do remember though that Brian really doesn't have much. I don't think he has much input into the movie. Uh, I'm sure he does. Yeah, he didn't have any input into the uh, home console versions with the exception of Rampage World Tour. Or no, 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 not Rampage World Tour. There was, uh, he did a Rampage game specifically for the PlayStation. I guess we'll just wait and see, wait for the trailer and see what he finds out. But that is all I have to say about Spy Hunter. Spy Hunter's actually got a lot of things going on and I know I've forgotten some stuff. But uh, that's all I've got to say about it. And uh, once again, thanks to Arcade History for uh, some of these cheats and tricks, which I never knew about. So, uh, yeah, there you go. And I got to try that boat jump one. That sounds actually uh, pretty cool. That does sound cool. So I'm going to have to check that out. So What have you to say about
1: Spy Hunter, Sean? Well, I said earlier that about 99% of the stuff you said was news to me. And it's because everything you say, it's like, really? You could
0: do that? Oh, I didn't
1: make it that far. Mm-hmm.
0: At in the arcade game, when I play it in the arcade, no cheats, no nothing. My game doesn't last more than I would say one minute. <laughs> oh wow, that's about twenty times longer than <laughs> mine lasts. <laughs> yeah, th- seriously. This is,
1: this is this is a hard, hard game. It really is. I mean, w- I tried both the actual arcade game. I've tried an emulation on my GPD XD. I tried an emulation on my laptop, and I really.
0: Just I I don't know. I just couldn't do anything with it at all at all. One thing I did neglect to mention, uh, there are two versions of the Spy Hunter cabinet. Uh, There is a a sit down and uh, a sit down cockpit model and a stand up model. I've only ever seen the stand up. So anyway, continue. Any anyway, rate, so uh, really, that's
1: I really don't have anything else to say. I don't know much about this game. I mean, yeah, I could have turned on the cheats and maim, I suppose, but I I don't know. I just don't get in the habit of doing that. And I don't. know. This game is a frustrating game. It, is, it really, really is. is. And it, I'll ta- i put it to you this way. And th- this is coming from a I admit an unfair perspective because every time I've ever played Spy Hunter. I keep thinking, you know what? This feels like an unfinished game. It feels like there are several elements missing. And then it hit me. It basically, it seems like it's a work in progress version hmm. of APB. It's, it
0: has a very strong, even yeah, though APB you know was Atari. Yeah, there, there's, I think Atari may have taken the, uh, the spy hunter theme and that would have been a good pair up actually thinking about it in hindsight. Yeah. <laughs> um But, uh, yeah, Spy Hunter. And I has, love APB. I really do. That is a fun game. That is a real fun game. I mean, yeah, I can see it does have a lot of the uh, lot of similar elements. The one thing with Spy Hunter is it says that you're in a spy car and you're destroying these other spies. There's not really much more plot behind it than that. You can forgive it because that's. Yeah. I mean, because well, let's be honest. I mean, especially the like earlier James Bond films. I mean, you weren't. All of the kid kids watching it weren't all about like the snooping around and that sort of thing. You wanted to see the car chases and the explosions and whatever. And this took like the best, <laughs> the best bits of the game, of the movie. I was going to insert a Knight Rider twenty six hundred joke there, but I decided not to. And it just condensed it down to its like its bare most entertaining element, which you know not a you know not bad. And uh, you you can kind of forgive the fact that the game doesn't really have much of a plot for that because. You know, that's what it is. It's the fun elements of a James Bond film. The fun driving elements. And, you know, that's if you're going to play a I game. I can see that. If you're going to play a game, that's all you really want. And uh, at least in that era. I mean, it, I was talking about the uh, From Russia With Love game on the GameCube recently and how how fun that game really is. But um, the problem with Spy Hunter is it's just too fast. And I guess if you learn how to manipulate the controls, the, the gear shift and the accelerator, I think for me, it's a psychological thing because when I, the last several times I've played Spy, when I first played it, to control my speed, I was only manipulating the, uh, the high and low to control on the, uh, on the console or the, 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 the gear shift. And I don't think it works like a real gear shift in other games where it, you, you no. hear it shift gear and maybe slow down a little bit before, you know, it just makes you go faster or slower. That's not the way to play this game. Don't hold the accelerator pedal down. Success at this game depends on how you manipulate the accelerator pedal. Convinced of it. Because of how I was able to do much better on Spy Hunter on the NES. And I suggest you play it. It's fun. uh, Versus Spy Hunter in the arcade. So I've been able to get further in the game with that knowledge. And it comes down to that and... And working the gear shift at the same time, and knowing the uh, how they work together, you figure that out. I guess you could play a lot longer with the game. I still have my troubles, but I can I can get further than than I have ever used to be able to with this. I don't know what were you saying about Spy Hunter before I interrupt you, like I always do. Actually, I don't think you really interrupted me. I think I
1: said all I have oh. to say, and. <sighs> See, this is a game I wasn't terribly aware of when the uh, during the golden age of video games. Uh, I just never really saw it around. I mm-hmm. never tried it. The first time I ever played it, it had to have been in the past year. And I'm pretty really? sure it was Underground Retrocade. And all I know is that I spent about 10 minutes at that thing and just getting more and more frustrated every single time I started a game. It, it's just ridiculous. It, it really is. I will say this. One thing I really, I do love the van. I love, I love that. Uh, oh yeah. You actually drive out of the van. That
0: is a really nice touch. Another Knight Man. Rider uh, 2600 reference. Yeah.
1: <laughs> and what I really hate about it though, is that you lose a life, then you get, you get another life and before you even accelerate, you could lose your life right away. Yeah. And that, that's so
0: cheap. Yeah, really there is a that. lot of cheap, especially I've, I've had it happen sometimes where I'm driving along and then uh, at slow speed and suddenly uh, one of the other enemies, it doesn't matter which one, comes up behind me at high speed, hits my vehicle from behind and boom, I'm dead. Yeah. Oh, I hate that yes. so much. Yeah. you I mean, you, yeah, it's telling you basically to speed up, Jack. And uh, it's it's it really just should not be like that. It would be almost neat if it had a little bit of a a short-range scanner so you could see what's coming up behind you, maybe. I think it's another game that could benefit from something like that, just to look behind you, or or something like that. Um, That's one thing I did. One thing about Spy Hunter 2 that I liked is that game does have a rear-view mirror so you can see what's coming up behind you. So that's a good thing with that. Spy Hunter, I think, has really good graphics. Uh, I I think the graphics are really well done on this game. Uh, the The graphics are fine. yeah I, I think this I know it don't doesn't really look like it too much as far as the paint job goes, but every time I see the the main vehicle, I'm thinking of James Bond's car in Goldfinger, and um, I, I kind of like that. and uh, are you a James Bond fan by any chance? Huge James Bond fan. <laughs> I liked Specter. I think I'm one of the few American people that liked Specter. Um, I love the music. And the sound effects. I think the, I think this game has some really good music and sound effects, such as what? Uh, well, why don't we talk about that later? Oh, okay. <laughs> Hint. Uh, I really, really want to to like this game a lot more than I do. This is a game that's hard, frustrating. I do see this as a game though that with practice you can get. I think you could get pretty good at it's not like it's not a quarter muncher. No, you can't. (laughs) Speak for yourself. Uh, It's it's not how much I've been practicing this damn game. (laughs) I don't. It's it's not a game. I don't think that. I think you could get. I think you could get good at it. It doesn't have. Wait, does this game have continues? I don't think it does. No, it doesn't. No, 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 it don't. And uh, I, I should know this stuff. So I mean, it's not a quarter muncher. Maybe before we give our rating on this game, we should talk about high scores. So Orcade.com, A-U-R-C-A-D-E, now the
1: property of Galloping Ghost Arcade. Edward Lee has the Orcade.com record of 1,228,720, which was performed August 24th, 2014 at, well, Galloping Ghost Arcade. Hmm. But that's no match for Paul Dean, no, not the Southern um, TV chef, Butter. but Paul oh, Dean, sorry. who, according to Twin Galaxies, verified June 28th, 1985, scored 9512590 Take that, Edward Lee. $9 mm. million. Dollars. Oh, sorry. In my high score, I was too embarrassed to submit for adjudication. Yep pretty much here too So
0: i have no freaking clue early on in the game uh when you're in the the free uh the free uh, play section of it or whatever you want to call it yeah i keep seeing no points no points no points no points no points yep so and there have been times in that section of the game where i'd crash the van would come out i'd crash again van would come out Sometimes you get like three vans on the screen, three weapons vans just from uh, just from unloading your cars. <laughs> I don't know. I guess we're ready to rate Spy Hunter. Sure, go ahead. So this has been rated one of the most popular or one of the most favorite video games of all time, uh, something I read. And uh, this game is pretty well beloved by a lot of people. And I can see why. You're playing the, the action elements of a James Bond film. But I'm just no good at this game. I really want to like it more than I do. <laughs> I got to rate it a three. I got to rate it three continues. I can't rate it any higher than that. Maybe if I was better at it, maybe if it didn't have the cheap deaths, as I was saying, with the vehicles accelerating up behind you, I'd like it. I could rate it a four, but I, I just can't do it. Just can't do it. So three. Three. Well, you know what? When I was in
1: grade school, I would have something marked wrong on my homework or on a test when I knew I put the right answer down. And the teacher would say, well, I couldn't read it. If I couldn't read it, I couldn't assume it was right. And the same thing if you, of course, like didn't turn in a homework. Well, it's like, well, how can I give you a grade if there's nothing to grade? Well, I'm kind of using that logic with Spy Hunter. Okay. You talked about a lot of wonderful things that are in Spy Hunter, a lot of fascinating things. I can't give Spy Hunter a good rating if I can't see any of that crap.
0: <laughs>
1: so my rating for Spy Hunter, and I'm only doing this, I, I'm only rating it as high as I am because it is so beloved. And and really, I shouldn't, but I'm going to rate pressure. it too. Oh, I'm rating it a two Two.
0: that doesn't surprise me. Actually, because I can see it's that just
1: it, it is. It's, it's just impossible.
0: I don't see that. Like I said, as, as I've oh, except for these jokers who are getting a million and nine million on their damn yeah, scores. I, I, I don't get that. But then again, I don't have any high scores on uh, any uh, records on anything. But yeah, I mean, this is I mean, I, as I've as I've changed my the way I play this game, it has gotten better, but. I see why people like it. And uh, every video game console has some version of a Spy Hunter game, some better than others. Uh, That is true. Sega Master System has Action Fighter, which... I don't know. I've I've played it. The uh, jury's still out on that one. But uh, you can find some version of this game on every console. Hell, I'd say even Bump and Jumps a a kind of a version of Spy Hunter as well, in a way. But, um, yeah, so... I mean, Spy Hunter was a real, very, very popular game back when, so it's probably not going to be that difficult to find a machine if you want to play it. So we'll just leave it at that for now, and I guess uh, we? we'll move on to the next game.
1: All right, so... um All right, so let's move on to the next game, which is the 1981 arcade game Vanguard. Yay, Vanguard. Now, in the game Vanguard, you are a security personnel, and you are keeping people from invading a large vehicle. Oh, wait, shoot, wrong notes. Sorry. Um, All right, let me hold on a sec. All right, here we go. 1981, Vanguard was developed by Toe's Company Limited, T-O-S-E, out of Kyoto, Japan. And as far as I can tell, Vanguard was the only arcade game they ever produced. However, they developed many, many games for home consoles going all the way back to the NES and Famicom. All the way up through current consoles, there if there's a, they've done a lot of very familiar titles. That I'm not going to get into right now because hey. Um I just don't feel like it, okay? Um, the publisher is SNK, which stands for Shin Nihon Kikaku Corporation, and they're based out of Osaka, Japan. And Vanguard was manufactured in the United States in October 1981 by Centuri, formerly known as Allied Leisure, and we've talked about a few of their games already, and uh, and Centuri, for the record. I don't know if we mentioned this but before, but they're based out of Hialeah, Florida, and of course, uh, the Centuri Vanguard comes under license from SNK. As for the game itself, you—yes, you—I'm pointing two fingers into my webcam Whoa, right now, at me. and my webcam is currently disabled, so nobody would have would have been able to see that. Uh, but anyway, you are the pilot of a fightership, and that fightership has a lot of offensive capabilities. Meaning that you can, you are on the offense. You can, it's probably more defensive actually. But anyway, what you have to do is fly through a cave in an asteroid and you have to fly through several different zones. There's the mountain zone, rainbow zone, sticks zone, stripe zone, bleak zone, and the last zone. The last Zone is also known as the city of mystery. Ooh. Inside the City of Mystery Mystery is the Gond. Your job, destroy the evil god Uh, 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 who's been terrorizing uh, 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 and destroying uh, 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 space
0: colonies. Luther destroys the Gond.
1: Fellas, who destroys the Gond? Luther
0: destroys the (laughs) Gond. Oh, I gotcha. Then you are Luther. People say I laugh, laugh like him. Be
1: Luther, everybody. So anyways, um... There's a little feature in uh, Vanguard uh, that when you enter a new zone, you will hear speech synthesis, rather monotonous speech synthesis, I must say. Attack. That's going to announce the name of the zone. the zone. And in the last zone, there is a boss that is protected by two barriers that move back and forth, and there are holes in the barriers that you have to shoot through. Uh, that sounds rather Death Star to me, or you know, rather poor construction right there. Yes. But anyway, you shoot through those um, shoot through those holes in the barrier, and you finish the level, and you start over with a new and harder level with a slightly different layout. Mm-hmm. And this is something I never noticed until I was researching for the show. You have a fuel tank, and it runs out as the game goes on. I never noticed that the uh, the fuel tank gauge. Yeah, yeah, it's at the top of the screen. I never, I never yep. noticed that. And from what I can tell, what happens is su- Oh, I believe uh, we should talk about video game physics here. Uh Uh-oh. It's time for another edition of Video Video
0: Game Physics!
1: Yes, in today's edition of Video Game Physics, we are talking about how to refuel your ship in Vanguard. You do that by destroying enemies. When you destroy an enemy, somehow your fuel tank will absorb the energy of your enemies and convert that energy into the petrol that fuels your ship. And that's
0: interesting because unlike like Scramble, which has actual fuel tanks you have to destroy, you just get the fuel out of anything you destroy in this one. Almost kind of like how in uh, Walking Dead, they they fuel their vehicles with the fuel from all of the other vehicles. It's kind of like that. That is except they don't blow up, the, except Walking Dead doesn't blow up the cards unless it serves the plot. Hmm. Well, of course, this does the same thing, too, I guess. So carry on. So anyway, uh, that's today's edition of
1: video game physics. Uh, one other feature that is in Vanguard is the energy pod. Uh, you know, there is an energy pod when you see a structure that has the word energy on it. What you do is you run your ship into the energy pod and your ship becomes energized temporarily and you know that you that your ship is energized and therefore invincible because you'll hear Voltan's theme Attack of the Hawkman from the 1981 Flash Gordon movie which I remember my brother watching just so he could say Music by Queen.
0: Because <laughs> he was a big Queen fan. Probably still is actually. I don't know. He has all their albums. I, I have but, to say... Uh, I, I've only seen uh, Flash Gordon a couple of times. If you want to see a real fun, cheesy movie, watch that. That's a fun, cheesy movie. And, uh, okay, I'll and, add that to my list. And um, Queen's soundtrack, well, I was going to say it was it's it's amazing, but that's kind of redundant when you talk about Queen, so carry on. They do have some pretty good, uh, I can't think of the word, so I'm just going to stop
1: right there. Songs. Uh, anyway, going on to Vanguard. Vanguard cool thing about being energized not only are you invincible but you can also destroy your enemies by colliding into them basically kamikaze for some reason though you're not able to fire while you are invincible I i, I don't get that i don't i it's that's not enough for an addition of video game physics though, yes so like we can't really rule
0: out to physics it might just be a limitations of the ship that's all there is to it but hey, it's fun to crash into other enemies without consequence. Oh, yeah. So yeah, I, you it know, really I'm willing is. to give that the, that bit of physics a, a pass.
1: Yeah. Oh, man. You know what, what a challenge it was for me? Because I... I did most of my Vanguard playing while in transit to and from work on the Chicago transit authority. And I was listening to podcasts and music, which means I wasn't hearing any video game sounds. So I kind of had to guess when my invincibility was running. I'll tell you what, that adds an interesting challenge. It really does. But, um, I should talk about the controls because Vanguard, I, I I'm sure they exist, but I haven't played any other video game that has the control scheme that Vanguard does. I
0: can't say I've played one like that either.
1: I'm sure they got to exist somewhere. But on the left, you have a joystick, which
0: I'll forgive this time. Up, down, left, right, blah, 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 blah.
1: Yeah, it's a. a, I think it's an eight-directional
0: joystick. Yes, it is. It's an eight-way, I think. Yes, it is.
1: However, you can only fire in four directions. You have four separate fire buttons. They're kind of arranged in a diamond shape. They're laid out in basically the direction that you fire. The button on top shoots up. The button on bottom shoots down. The button on the
0: left shoots left. Then the button on the right shoots right. And the game is not doing heroin when it shoots up. I think we should point that out winners as far as we know this
1: was before the winners oh, don't that's do true drugs though. that period. is true that's true but oh, did we mention that about wwf
0: WrestleFest? i don't know if we did or not i think one of we those did messages i think i'm pretty did. sure it did i'm pretty it was it was a well, it was released a... around the time the government tried to get their grubby hands into video games well yeah no, and that and, still so is that's, still. that's a
1: quickie edition of adenda and errata there you go so it's kind of like In a way, it's kind of similar to Robotron, because you can actually fire in different directions from where you're actually traveling. The difference, of course, is that you can only fire in four directions. Robotron allows you to fire in eight directions. Mm -hmm. And one interesting aspect about Vanguard that I think might have been a first, it's mostly a a horizontal scroller. You go from left to right, but in the middle of the play, it suddenly becomes a
0: vertical scroller. And... It and, scrolls diagonally, too, at one point. Yes, and a it point. does. And, yeah, and, I and believe d- during part of the Rainbow Zone. And uh, Okay, I got to say, Rainbow Zone, you haven't really talked much about the zones yet, but I'm just going to throw this out there right now. Rainbow Zone doesn't look like rainbows, so I'm just throwing that out. No, back. it doesn't. But uh, but the Rainbow and Zone I just realized scrolled, I don't have any notes scrolling scrolling on the individual zones. zones. <laughs> Uh-oh. Well, let's keep continuing. I, I think I remember enough about the what the zones look like and how they act. To uh, to continue here, because <laughs> spoiler alert, I love this game. Well, then tell us about the zones. Well, I think I will. And I'm just doing this, and I have not prepared any notes. All right, the first zone is the mountain zone. The mountains look like wireframe squares. And one thing I don't think you mentioned about the energy tanks is when you're invincible, you can actually fly through the terrain. And that's right, you can. And it will take the terrain out. Uh, it it'll it, the terrain actually will get destroyed, and you will see, like, path going through the terrain. And I really love doing that in the mountain zones, watching all the squares disappear from where you're flying. Uh, so there's that. Uh, the Rainbow Zone just kind of looks... The enemies in the Rainbow Zone, I, I don't remember the names of any of the enemies. I'm sure you've got that information, but they look like little clouds. And in the first screen, there's a sequence. There's first tunnel, there's three Rainbow Zones. In the second one, there's only one. And it's wherever the tunnel kind of tries to make a... makes a turn to another... You know to another direction, and the first rainbow zone goes toward the upper right. Well, well, they all go to the upper right except for the second rainbow zone of the first tunnel, and that one moves to the lower right. Um, and it scrolls like that, and it looks uh, really like a bunch of stars. I don't know if anyone's played the uh, let me see, what's the name of the game? Astro Chase, but it kind of looks like the uh, what makes up the maze background for. For the PC game Astro Chase, which I, I think Astro Chase was also an arcade game too, if I'm not mistaken. The Stick Zone is uh, the uh, tunnel is uh, shaped. They, you know what they look like? Teepees.
1: I need teepee for my bunghole! hole.
0: They're like triangles that are solidly filled in, and there are no energy tanks in this zone. Uh, energy tanks are only in the what was the name of the zone? The Stripe Zone, and the uh, the Mountain Zone. It's not in any of the diagonal or horizontally scrolling zones, and it's not in the sticks zone. So anyway, they look like like TPS, and they got sticks coming out of like kind of the tops of the mountains. And the uh, the passageway is very narrow in this one. One thing I've noticed, one place I always get killed. The one thing I've always noticed is in the transition from the first rainbow zone to the sticks zone, uh, where I have my ship positioned. As soon as it transitions, there's an alien on the screen that just shoots me and zaps me right away. Every single time, I, I know it's there, and I don't adjust my play style for that. And so, so yeah, the uh, because of the way that the sticks at the top of the mountain are in the sticks zone, you have a lot less room to maneuver. This that's actually I think the hardest zone is the sticks zone. Uh, then you go to the next rainbow zone, and then you go to the stripe zone. This one's kind of fun. You're basically presented with two paths. If you go in the upper one, you got a bunch of enemies. Uh, jumping up and down, you know, trying to destroy you. If you choose the lower path, you have a bunch of like you know, little installations that you uh, you have to destroy. Uh, but the thing is, is that you have a laser barrier that you have to destroy. I can never destroy those things. Uh, I, f- I figured out how to do it. Uh, the first, a lot of times I've played Vanguard, I couldn't figure it out. But you just have to destroy the installation at either the top or the bottom you know, the generator at the top or the bottom of the laser barrier. You destroy either one of those and you'll you'll shut the laser barrier off. I find it easier to go for the bottom one. And then every now and then you will have the, uh, the energy pods in this zone as well. Then you can just, you know, go wherever you want. And then you go through another rainbow zone and then it horizontally scrolls for the rest of the game. Then you're into the, what was it? The bleak zone? The bleak zone kind of reminds me of the uh, the the way that the screen looks kind of reminds me of the screen in the game Journey, uh, where you're trying to you, you've got the I think it's the base and you got like a thruster and you're trying to maneuver around. It's like a cave with like s- sticks that stick straight out of the sides of the origami uh, sides of the screen. And uh, what happens there is the in this screen there's uh, there's some like kind of like worm like creatures. The worm-like creatures, again, I don't remember what they're called. They look like cobras to me. Yeah, I guess they do. You can actually dock with them three times for 1,090 points. After the third one, when you touch when you die. You can actually shoot the thing and then touch the explosion and get the points for killing it and get the 1,090 points, by the way. And then you have, uh, you know, some more enemies coming down. It's basically just a rain of enemies. And then finally... The Last Zone, so originally named. Well, it's also the City of Mystery. And then you have, like, the Gond at the top of the screen. And this screen, the Gond keeps firing down at you. There is a shield that scrolls, and you have to shoot the Gond. He He just takes one shot. But the longer you wait, the more points you get. Now, the longer you wait, the more shots he will fire at you, obviously. But then there are laser gates at the bottom of the City of Mystery that will start coming across, and then the next barrier will come across... Uh, restricting the area you have in which to move. Again, the longer you wait, the more points you get. Uh, I, can't, I think Phoenix was kind of the same way. The longer you wait to destroy the enemy ship. Or is it the opposite way? It might have been. I don't remember. I don't know. I don't, know. I, I don't remember
1: waking up this morning. That was so, like, whatever episode it was. Oh, yeah.
0: So, at any rate. And then you move on to the second tunnel. The second tunnel is a lot simpler. You just go... It, horizontal scrolling, rainbow zone vertical scrolling. One thing with this game is uh, it is an early example of a arcade video game with a continue feature. However, yeah. there is a caveat to that. Uh-oh. You can only continue during the first tunnel. You cannot continue during the second tunnel. So you have to be good at this game. I actually think the second tunnel might be a little easier than the first one, but that's really? that's just me. So that are the all of the zones. You want to take it back over from here?
1: Sure, let's talk about scoring in the game Vanguard. Uh, When you destroy a Harley, did we talk about what the Harleys were again? Isn't that a motorcycle that was manufactured in Milwaukee, Wisconsin? I have no idea where Harley was manufactured. Milwaukee, Wisconsin. These are space Harleys. And, uh, they appear in the stick zones and the mountain zones. And what they do is they just move horizontally and they don't move up and down, but they're the ones that suddenly speed up every now and then. Are those the uh, ones that
0: th- look like the, uh,
1: the spaceships from Battlestar Galactica? I have no idea. I know nothing about Battlestar Galactica
0: and I'm proud to know nothing about Battlestar Galactica. Other than I'm not going to be one of those that Atari people. Atari had a prototype, uh laser disc game that they were going to make, but they never did. This is just the thin ship, correct? Yeah. Like re- okay. Yeah, you get 50 points for those. You get 70 points
1: for the mists, which are the ones that kind of bounce up and down after a while. And
0: it can those kind of look to me look like the uh the Starship Enterprise. Yeah.
1: Yeah, that's exactly what that. And actually yeah, that, yeah. B- yeah.
0: by extension, it kind of looks like your ship in Gorf too, a smaller version of that in a way.
1: Hmm. Or it looks like uh something is being crushed in a vice or something. Or that? Yeah, yeah. Uh, let's see. If you destroy a helm, which is in the rainbow zones, uh, you get eighty points. And the Amno, which is also in the rainbow zone—that's the little purple thing—you get a hundred points. Okay, I
0: do have to say this. It seems to me with the enemies in the rainbow zone, basically they're exactly the same, just a different color, and you could barely Pretty tell much, the, Yeah, you could barely tell the different color. They look like clouds. I always thought those were the mist ships. Mist cloud. See what I'm getting at to me. mist is a more appropriate uh, yeah. name for those enemies. But what do I know? I'm just a, uh, what do you Reviewing know? arcade games on a podcast.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, um, if you destroy a base, you will get between a and 400 points. And, uh, basically it's a random amount of points that you get. So, uh, that adds some excitement to this. Um, if you destroy a garen or a barrier, Uh, Well, actually, if you destroy a Gareen, which is in the Stripe Zone, you get somewhere between 100 and 400 points. If you destroy a barrier, that's 800 points for each structure. The snake thing, by the way, that that is a Chemless. That is a Chemless. And if you destroy one of those suckers, you get somewhere between 100 and 400 points. Although you get bonus points, of course, if you let it capture you and
0: just hold on to you. You could do that three times. Now, other than the boss character in this game, which is the Gond... I do remember the name of the next enemy in the bleak zone. Which is? Ramadas or Romitas, And you get 100 points for those yeah. things. And they can't shoot. Those things can shoot at you from the side, by the way. Oh, yeah. yes. And uh, I've gotten nailed by more than a few of those. And that's kind of frustrating because you know that they do it, but you're not expecting it. They Those things can fire horizontally and i believe they can also fire vertically
1: i believe you are right um and if you pull a luther you get between a thousand and eight thousand yes Uh, that means that you destroy the (laughs) gond because luther
0: destroys the gond i've been told i laugh like luther by more than one person
1: so yeah so that's how to score points in the game What the hell game are we talking about? Vanguard. Vanguard. Yeah, 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 yeah. So um, Vanguard had some home conversions, so Mm -hmm. I should mention that. I I believe there were only Atari home conversions, just the 2600, 5200, and the 8-bit computers. Yes, I believe you're correct. If The 2600 version is how I was introduced to Vanguard. I think this is another one of those games that I didn't know was an arcade game until many years after I first played it. But um, it was, I had it when it came out. It was, I I loved it on the 2600, still do. It's a great title. The only thing is, it's kind of weird because obviously the Atari 2600, you have a joystick with one fire button. Mm -hmm. So how do they make up for the four separate fire buttons? Well, it's basically adjusting the difficulty switches. And uh, I didn't even realize this until when I was putting my notes together for this show. I'd always assumed that the left difficulty switch, if you set it to A, you're just going to auto-fire constantly in whatever direction you're moving. And that always slows you down, too. And if you switch it over to B, it doesn't fire at all until you actually hold down the fire button. I didn't realize it, though, but the right controller difficulty switch also affects the firing. There are all kinds of different combinations and permutations with that that I'm not really going to get into right now. But, uh, yeah... And it shows you how much I actually RTFM with these games, right? But as for the arcade game, I never played the arcade game until probably a couple of years ago at Galloping Ghost, and I didn't even really put a lot of effort into it. I just basically started it up just to see what it was like, mm-hmm. and you know, just didn't really put any effort into it, and I just... You know, let myself die early. The first real concerted effort I made was at Underground Retrocade in the past year. Now, here's the thing. I seem to remember the first real effort I put into it, I was able to loop, uh, to loop through the first level. Mm-hmm. I seem to remember doing that, but my highest score was only in the 20,000s. And I think if you loop the first level, you should have well over 30,000. So I don't know, something That's about me same. is just yeah. not remembering right. Yeah, you would think you'd have. But more. I just yeah. sworn I got through the first level, and it's really an interesting contrast from Spy Hunter because this I found Vanguard to be a game where when you first play it in the
0: arcade, you can make some significant progress. One thing with with Vanguard, it's basically a, a scramble type game. It's like it's it's like Scrabble. Yeah. It's easier than scramble. You can easily a first time player with little effort can make it and get through the first tunnel a lot sooner than they would ever have uh, with Scramble. And, uh, you know, I believe we both uh, gave Scramble a good, uh, good review. Uh, I know I, I'm pretty sure I did. Uh, I got the spreadsheet up here and I am scanning it for Scramble. Did we do that one really early on?
1: No, I don't think so. That was episode 33.
0: 33. Oh yeah, right there. Uh, Yeah, we both gave Scramble a four. So it's that kind of game, and uh, one thing you did—I I, don't—I didn't don't recall hearing you say it, but you mentioned about the fuel gauge. When you have the energy, it counts down how much longer it comes, turns into an energy timer. Oh yeah, right, right. So uh, you did not mention that. It was a secret. Basically, the first place you ever played it was at uh, Galloping Ghost, or then I yeah. believe you said. This one's interesting for me because I kind of remember where I first played this, and it's not in any of my usual places. It wasn't at Putt-Putt, wasn't at Aladdin's Castle, wasn't at Aladdin's Castle, Lincoln Mall. None of the, the usual places, but I don't remember the name of this place. And interestingly, I first played this game at a hot dog stand in the town I live in now. I lived in Joliet at the time. I think we came out here to uh to go to Hornsby's or was that after my parents got divorced I think it was after my parents got divorced and me and my dad and my brother went to get hot dogs I think that's what it was they had a couple of video games like pretty much you know every little mom and pop fast food joint had one of my earliest memories of Defender was playing it at a at Nabby's in Plainfield Illinois which I got to take you there I love that joint but yeah it was at a hot dog place in here in Morris and um I remember the first time I, I remember playing it, and I remember instantly falling in love with the game. And what did it for me with this game was the very first time I hit the energy pod, I, the first time I picked it up. The energy pod, first of all, it's hard to talk about graphics on an audio podcast because you have to use metaphor or whatever. You try to describe this stuff as best as you can. I can't describe really what the energy pod looks like for the most part other than it does say energy on it but it's it's rather large actually yeah and uh it's 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 unique looking it's kind of like a decorated diamond in a way it says energy on it and it's got different angles and stuff but the first time i i ran into the energy thing and i had the invincibility uh when you get the invincibility your spaceship looks kind of shiny almost kind of looks like um when you turn on a a CRT TV and you don't have an antenna hooked up to it. it kind of looks like TV static in a way. Hmm, a colorful, yeah, colorful TV set static, and that's when I first fell in love with this game. And I've always had a soft spot in my heart for this game ever since then. This wasn't a major game like uh, like like uh, some of the others we've talked about, like say Phoenix or um, even Pango wasn't really as big as uh, as some of these other games we've talked about. But uh, this, this was not a huge game at all. But well, let's, let's put it this way. Um, you've talked about the ports. I have to say the Atari 8-bit and 5200 ports are spot on, with one exception. They don't have the voice. But between oh, yeah, zones, yeah. it does say, print on the screen, the name of the zone in the transition between the zones. So, I mean, it does that. Yeah, quite honestly, I could do without the voice. It really doesn't add much to this game. Like, no. Yeah, it really doesn't add much to this game. I, I do have to agree. And it's really, unlike other games, it is kind of hard to make out what it's saying. I'll agree with you on that. There was a sequel to Vanguard. Van- that's right. Yes, yeah. Vanguard 2, which reminded me a lot of Time Pilot 84. Uh, yeah, I was going to say that, too. Yeah, because I looked at this. Sc- I didn't actually try it out, but I played looked at it the a screen few times. capture, and it's like, yeah, that's this is Time Pilot 84. It, it, yeah, it reminds me a lot of that. And I I don't like Vanguard 2. Uh, sh- should we ready to talk about scores? You know, what, let's do scores first. Let's do scores, and we'll, well, I'll continue my rambling. Well, before we
1: even do scores, let me talk about something else that oh, I found yes. that was very fascinating, actually. Oh, please do. Uh, just as with many other games, most other games probably, Vanguard came in different cabinet styles. There's your standard upright cabinet, and Cinematronics, not to be confused with CinemaWare, whom we talked about earlier in the episode, Cinematronics put out a cocktail table version of Vanguard. It was a stand-up version. We actually stand up to play it, kind of like Atari football. Uh-huh. And there was a wall-hanging version oh, of yeah, Vanguard. I
0: read that in the
1: research. Talk about that some more. Yeah, this is it's, fascinating. It, it, it's it's an arcade machine you literally hang on your wall. It's really interesting. I've never, ever seen one of these things. But it was uh, made by a German jukebox uh, manufacturer called Schütze und Menke, a.k.a. NSM.
0: And NSM? Meet SNK.
1: I couldn't find any pictures of the thing but i did see a picture of a wall hanging version of breakout that was made by a scandinavian company Uh and it's quite fascinating of course part of me is thinking who has a wall that'll support that thing (laughs) because it doesn't look very safe i mean i am afraid to mount a modern HDTV on the wall like so many people do. Ours is actually on a little stand because it's like, no, I don't want that thing falling down. I can't imagine the reinforcements you'd have to do to, to mount a wall-hanging arcade game.
0: Yeah, that, I mean, obviously that'd be a lot easier to do in this day and age with, you know, LCD TVs and, and that. Yeah, but especially, especially since the controllers. High. But, yeah. And the controllers are right there on the wall mount, too. So you... I can imagine they probably, like, hung off like a like a picture frame or something but this is these this would be CRT TVs though wouldn't it yeah and you're, and how would you button
1: mash on those things without like oh man it's just it just boggles the
0: mind i want to see one of those it, it's too bad you couldn't find a picture of one of those i'd want to see one of those yeah yeah if it's, anybody uh, yeah, out I'll, there i'll keep looking If anybody out there has a picture of one of these, uh, email us, podcast at uh, fab4it.com. The guy from Indonesia plays with ding-dongs. If you're listening to us, do you have any of those
1: uh, wall-mounted things out there? Send us a picture.
0: Yeah, I hadn't even thought about that. I haven't actually done a Google search for a podcast recently. to See if anyone's talking about us. Uh, uh, Ego surfing. Yes. Hey, I like doing that, actually, because you never know. I
1: I just keep
0: forgetting to do that. So... Damn, that is fascinating. It's 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 so, amazing. Yeah. Some of these uh, cabinet designs that they come out with, um, yeah. You got the mostly yeah. the boring stuff, but every now and then you'll get something a little gem like this uh, this wall mount thing. Like it sounds pretty cool. Yeah, it's 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 really something. I I would never want to hang that thing ever ever. Yeah. Uh, may, well, I don't know unless it, <clears throat> dirty joke warning. Unless it was well hung, but you know. Well, you know, you know. So, but
1: anyway, speaking of well hung, let's talk about scoring <laughs> high. Ooh, there we go. There, with that, my friend, is a segue. So, anyway, orcade.com, A U R C A D E.com, Guillermo Vega Toro, uh, Vega Toro, I should say, and uh, August 21st, 2015, at Galloping Ghost, he scored 1,116,470. Now, this is interesting. Something I found very interesting is that on Twin Galaxies, Guillermo is also listed as having the number two world record there with 2,238,220. That's almost exactly double as. Orcade.com score, but his 2 million, his 2.2 million score goes back to May 1st, 1982. And what I found interesting, I didn't really do a lot of research on this. Nowadays, the way you get a score verified on Twin Galaxies is you submit a video of your gameplay along with video of the console and the dip switches and everything to prove that you are using the specific settings required for your track. Now the verification method for this guy for Guillermo was Mm -hmm. listed as affiliate and then it says next to it, no longer accepted. I'm not quite
0: sure what that means. You know what? I did look that up. I was wondering about that affiliate. No, longer accepted. What did you find out? I thought nothing, but
1: anyway, the twin galaxies record holder is Scotty Williams, who um, sometime on or about July sixth, nineteen eighty-two, scored three million one hundred ten thousand one hundred. I gotta, I gotta say, this, I'm, I'm surprised that uh, that record has stayed for almost thirty-seven years now, because I can't imagine this is not nec- this isn't necessarily a hard game to get a high score on. No, so I'm I'm actually surprised by that. How about uh, how about we rate Vanguard? Okay, why don't you go first? I'm curious to hear what you have to say right. about this one. Yeah, I mean Vanguard. There's a lot to like about Vanguard. It's it it, it doesn't get boring. No, because definitely. just there's when you've had a you lot have,
0: of variety in this game.
1: Yeah, just when you're about to. Get kind of tired of what you're doing. Suddenly, you go you go into a new zone. You go into the rainbow zone or something. I love the rainbow zone. I really do. It's it is fun. There's, there's
0: something aesthetically pleasing about it. And I have to say, but... I mentioned Scramble earlier. One of well, both of us actually were talking about you. You're talking about how you there, there's a lot to like about this game. How you never get bored. And one thing I like about this game over Scramble is Scramble the mountains and the city. There, there's really only two zones: mountains and city. And they kind of look the same. Yeah, right. Every zone in Vanguard is different. Yeah, yeah. And I really like that a lot. Yeah, so there's, there's a variety on there.
1: Basically, you're not going to put yourself to sleep playing Vanguard. Not at all. Um, the, the sounds are pretty... I love the sound... Oh, you know I love the music in the Rainbow Zone. There's some, it's just so happy,
0: you know? Oh, yeah. Oh, I didn't even mention that. Yes, that is, that is like one of the happiest tunes in a game I think we've played. And I, I was talking about... In the previous episode, how I I just loved the music in Mappy. Uh, I I would say the music in this screen, kind of in this sequence, is uh, in my opinion kind of on the same uh, same level. Oh, by the way, I did play some more Mappy since we recorded episode forty-eight, and uh, I think I was a little
1: rough on it. It, it is a fun game, but anyway, anyway. So uh, we're talking about Vanguard, but Vanguard. I really feel I should give it a four continues, four continues. I would yes. The only thing I don't like about Vanguard is well, this is one of those games where when once it's over, you want to play it again right away, but you have to wait for the countdown timer if
0: you want to start
1: fresh, and Mm -hmm. it's easy to forget that.
0: As they went on in the uh, in arcade history, I guess either uh, you could press a button on the machine to cancel the timer or to continue, you would have to press say like uh, the fire button and the start button at the same time. Uh, but yeah, that is that's one thing you got to remember about this one, and um, that's really a minor complaint. And oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It, I mean, I th- I I uh, that's really about the you what? that's really about the only complaint I really have about this game. So, how would you rate uh, Vanguard? How many continues? I can't, uh, I think I'd like this game a lot more than Scramble. Really? Okay, but I can see, I can see that. I can't, but I. I, I don't think it has, I mean, it's got more variety than Scramble. I mean, it's got, Scramble's only got one tunnel to go through. Uh, this has two. Uh, did you mention the? Uh, it has a graphic representation of the tunnel layout at the top of the screen i did
1: not i forgot about and, that yeah it doesn't that's show you really anything cool. it
0: doesn't really show you anything except where you are located it so you can at least track your progress it's, yeah I, I do like that, that that's I a find nice that touch very
1: helpful actually
0: yeah i i, I you know what the more i'm talking about this game the more i am leaning on giving vanguard a five wow because this is really it's it's i, I like it better than scramble you don't have the weird timing of the bombs and scramble where you could just shoot your lasers low below which if you think about it in a spaceship in a game with a spaceship why didn't they think about that? Especially if you could fire lasers forward. Go for the easier weapon. (laughs) Hmm. I'm torn really. You know what? Heck with it. I'm gonna I'm gonna rate Vanguard a five. I'm gonna rate it a five. There you go. I really like this game a lot. It's um the cool thing too. I don't I don't (laughs) like it five a lot, but I like it four a lot, that's for sure. As you said, there's absolutely nothing in this game to get bored about, and it has a lot of variety, and it's fun. In a nutshell, this game is fun. I like it. Yeah, me too. Me too. So um I guess that wraps up our
1: Vanguard discussion. It sure does. So um I do believe we have a habit of end-theming two video games per episode, per typical episode, standard episode. So uh what is the theme? that we have. These
0: are arcade games whose intro music was actually taken from the theme song for a TV show. Oh. Well, maybe not taken from, but were used as the theme song in a TV show. Spy Hunter's theme song was lifted from the TV show Peter Gunn. I believe in a much earlier episode, uh, we had a a listener comment about that yes Uh, they were trying to originally get the 007 theme but they could never attain the rights for some reason and Vanguard theme song I guess it's a classical piece but was later used as the theme song for Star Trek The Next Generation Uh Uh-huh. and I think they used it in Star Trek the the, uh, motion picture Uh, I believe so I believe so and actually that uh, actually ties into something I said earlier about how that one ship kind of looks like the Starship Enterprise uh huh. I see what you did So, saying. yes, uh, I, I want to play Vanguard yes. some more. I, you know what? the uh, The twenty six hundred version of Vanguard gets some guff. Uh, I mean, it, oh really? It, I would like to see somebody create a two joystick version of that. You could do that. I mean, as I said, spy earlier in this episode, Spy Hunter had a had a tray that it came with that held both joysticks next to each other. Hey, Stargate's a two-joystick game for the 2600. Yeah, indeed. So I would I would like to see somebody do that. I hate that version of Stargate, What well, You hate the 2600? Oh, because of the control setup. I hate it with a passion. I You know what? I don't worry about any of the special weapons on 2600 Stargate. I just play it with the fire button. I don't worry about any of the other stuff. But yeah, the the twenty six hundred version of Vanguard gets guffed because of its control and it does well it does feel sluggish. But like a wet sponge. Yes. Uh, but I think it captures decently for what the twenty six hundred can do. But the uh the fifty two hundred slash Atari eight bit version, with the exception of the voice, is spot on. It's I mean, again, that's a, you know what they that was a one joystick game on the fifty two hundred the fifty two hundred actually did have a joystick coupler for... uh, It's bad enough using one of those annoying
1: joysticks. Man, using two of them would drive you to suicide.
0: Space Dungeon worked really well with that setup, though. But, I mean, Robotron and Space Dungeon on the 5200 had joystick couplers, so they could have easily done Vanguard in that kind of regard. But other than the control and the fact it didn't have the voice, uh, the 5200-slash-Atari 8-bit versions of Vanguard, again, really, those are pretty close to... it's one of the closest uh, arcade to the arcade game I've seen on a whole co- home console. It's it's a really good version. You can't go wrong with that. So there you go. Play Vanguard. There me, I go. Me, me and Sean both say play Vanguard, and I'm looking. Uh, me say play Vanguard, and I am just looking at our spreadsheet of all of our how we rate it every games. You love that spreadsheet, yeah, don't uh, you? because it's. Um, because I, I, I like noticing patterns in it, and I really should look at that thing now and then, shouldn't I? <laughs> this game, if in the layout I have it, the way I have it laid out uh, for the, for our ratings, I have for game A, I have you know a column for your rating, a column for mine. Game B, column for yours, column for mine. Now this is the first game where we've got a sequential order: two, three, four, five. If I am looking at this correctly, and I believe I am. Yes, two, three, four, five. Yeah, yeah. We, Hmm. Interesting. Another pie factory milestone. Wow.
1: And we have another one coming up next. Actually, yes, we do. Episode number 50. Even though it's our 51st episode and technically our 52nd full-length release, because episode 15 was in two parts.
0: That is true. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's true. Before the episode, I was thinking, I looked at Spritch and I'm like, wow, we've actually reviewed 100 games. No, we have We're still uh, actually several episodes behind that because of yeah. that and the fact I've forgot to take into account our special episodes. So we probably yes, got yes. maybe about, I don't know, six or seven more games to talk about before we hit 100. Something like but that. Speaking of which, for episode 50, why don't you reveal the games we're going to talk about? Oh, no, wait, wait yeah. No, no, no. I've, You're the host of this episode. You, you, so, you make the decision. You know what? Um... I have totally
1: forgotten the games that we were going to do for episode fifty. All right, well, I'll reveal it. Though. Why don't you? Why don't you tell
0: our listener games we're going to do for episode fifty? All righty. Um, for episode fifty, we will be talking about Jungle Hunt and a game Sean's been playing a lot lately, Bust a Move. Yeah, and uh, I think I already know how just, Sean's going to respect that. It's, game. I
1: think it's one of those like get just get this out of Sean's system as soon
0: as possible. Which I can't kind of blame games. you because. <laughs> well, I'm not going to talk any more about bust a move right now, but, uh, yes. So, yeah. Jungle hunt and bust a move. So, okay.
1: And before we go, I do want to offer a heartfelt thank you to the following people who have been sponsoring us over, uh, Patreon. Uh, thank you to, uh, Greg Polander. Thank you. Thank you. Jonas Rulo and Keith Sheehan. Thank you. Richard Valdez. Thank you underground retrocade nate lockhart Ditto. underground retrocade is is that a person that's okay. a weird name for a person that, that, yeah that that is um
0: i'm gonna Kyle have to ta- i'm gonna have to talk to my uh, son bud light about that
1: yeah please do yes. please do uh michael d'angelo and ray coleman rory coleman rory coleman thank you all of you as i and said if before you i went to, to high school to- with him
0: when our birthdays the same day
1: Ooh, and if you wish to um, also be thanked, you can go to patreon.com slash Pie Factory Podcast and uh, you can make a monthly donation. And uh, it could be as little as a dollar or as high as you wish to uh, donate. Again, that's patreon, P A T R E O N dot slash Pie Factory Podcast. Yay! Yay! So, hey. wow, we are done with another episode.
0: Woohoo! So So, yeah, yeah, I guess
1: I guess that's so. uh, That's it. Until so, I guess this is um, this is male narrator
0: and Jimmy G. So um, yeah yeah. Ah, Hi, there we go. I guess origami. This episode of the Pie Factory Podcast was edited and produced by Hyde Saint Pierre. Opening and closing theme is the Happy L composed by Sean Courtney. Love theme from Addenda and Arata was composed by Jim Goble. Follow the Pie Factory podcast online via Facebook, on Twitter at Pie Factory PFP, or on PieFactoryPodcast.com.
1: The publisher is SNK, which stands for Shin Nihon Kikaku Corporation, and they're based out of Osaka, Japan. Wait, and what does it stand for? Shin Nihon Kikaku.
0: Kikaku? Kikaku. Prepare right the radicue. Okay. That's an inside conspiracy theory chemtrail joke, by the way. So, yeah, I think that might call for crickets. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway. Um, but the people in, in the, the anti-chemtrail group I'm in on Facebook will will understand that and get that. I am for chemtrails, I'll have you know. Uh-oh. <laughs> I have them after I eat chili. I demand oh.
1: more chemtrails.
0: <laughs> Luther destroys the God.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>